I'm just going to put this out there for anybody listening. We had a little bit of a technical hiccup last night while we're recording. And if the sound does sound a little bit differently, it's because, well, we uh, time traveled into the future and we're here seeing you from tomorrow. So we're going to try to do our best to pick up right where we left off. And I believe the last thing we were talking about was the process of traveling. And we were talking about distances and light years and solar units, right? Or astronomical units they use. Mm -hmm. Uh, one other thing that I wasn't able to talk about last night when we were talking about the traveling from Earth to our next planet is the fact of how are we going to do this if we're not able to come up with a technology to be able to bend space fabric or the fabric of space and create a wormhole. What if we never hit that technology and we have to do this the old fashioned way with just good old fashioned between point A and point B is a straight line. The reality of it is that going at light speed probably isn't going to be an option for us anytime in our future. It would be neat if it happens, but unfortunately I don't believe that anything that we can build nor our bodies can withstand that kind of pressure, which sucks. But unfortunately that's what I believe. Do you not believe that it's possible for us to come up with technology to help our bodies deal with uh, the stresses that would be involved in uh, accelerating to the speed of light? I'm not necessarily ready for this question. <laughs> but I'll try to answer this the best I can, right? Mm -hmm. It would be creating an exoskeleton of sort. But even then, basically what you are is you're in a vessel inside of a vessel. And you're still going to be mashed up the backside of that exoskeleton. No, I, I, I technically don't believe so unless that exoskeleton can somehow make physical contact with your internal skeleton and create like a buffer or something that way. But I don't think that we're going to be able to come up with a technology and again, I'm not a physicist, I'm not an engineer or any, you know, doctor or anything like that. So I can't imagine technology and where we can have our bodies withstand the pressure of light speed. So there's one way I can see us being able to travel at light speed and not have to deal with any type of physical stress, which is already something that we use currently, that we already have the technology, so to speak, to do. And that is control our acceleration. Think of like uh, the Japanese bullet trains. Those things travel well over 100 miles an hour, but it isn't instantaneous, right? If it was, mm -hmm. oh man, people be getting real messed up, <laughs> you know, be squishing their bodies. If we were to, in the grand scheme of things, slowly accelerate to light speed, that would be better than not traveling at light speed going wherever we're trying to get to think of the forces mm -hmm. that are applied to astronauts bodies when they they launch from earth going up to like the international space station i think it's a uh, something like over nine g's or something like that g is a unit of measurement for basically the force of gravity being applied to your body so standing or sitting right now in our studio we're at one g we're at one of earth's gravity what is normal for Earth's gravity, right? Now, when you accelerate in your car or whatever, you're applying Gs to yourself because you're exceeding Earth's gravitational pull, the force of it, at least, whenever you do that. So like in the space shuttle, they're exceeding, I'm pretty sure it's well over nine Gs, but that's like extremely stressful for the body. It's like, it's very physically demanding. But if we were able to slowly accelerate to that speed, it'd be the same as like getting on a Japanese bullet train you know, eventually accelerates up to 100 or 200 miles an hour, however fast they go. And you don't even really notice that much. In space, uh, we're in a vacuum. There is no gravity. 
Yes, but when you're applying force to something, you're still pulling G's. So like in in space movies and stuff, right? Take, for instance, The Martian, right? Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. It's somewhat based in science, but it's dipping into the you know realm of fiction a little bit. Uh, How he has to shit himself all the time to create <laughs> nitrites for the ground. <laughs> oh, I imagine that's that's probably possible to a degree, but I mean, I'm sure that uh, Hollywood is stretching it a little bit. But <clears throat> his team that when they left him, they're traveling back to Earth, right? And their ship has giant rings and are rotating. That rotating is creating artificial gravity. Mm-hmm. Say you're in space, and then. You got a big, big old rocket behind you and you just kick it, you know, max throttle. You're applying G's to yourself because the force of pushing you through space is still, it's, a, it's the equivalent of like gravity being forced on you. It's the same thing. Whereas on earth, it's the earth's mass that's creating this force. Mm-hmm. We don't understand why, <laughs> right? But when you're in a rocket and you kick it on, you're having this force applied to you because the rocket is pushing you through space. I mean, it's kind of the reverse of what happens when you're, you know, driving 70 miles an hour and you slam on the brakes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Once the car comes to a stop, your body's still trying to carry that its own momentum forward until it comes to a rest and you equalize with the car, the you know, the motion with the car, then that's when you no longer feel any of those forces on your body. Well, see, I learned something today. See, kids, this is why you say stupid shit. So you can be corrected and then you can sound <laughs> smarter in the future. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that I'm kind of concerned about when it comes to long distance travel, when you're talking about light years, is resources. You got to think that within a spacecraft that we will be using to propel ourselves from Earth to our next destination, most or at least half of that is going to have to be for human habitation, right? Mm -hmm. Mess halls, barracks, or birthings, bathrooms rec rooms, all kinds of different things, right? Mm -hmm. Just a a metric shit ton of different things that we're going to have to use. And the other half is going to probably be used for propulsion. And as of right now, our best source of propulsion is fuel. You would think that solar panels wouldn't work because you're not always going to be close to a, a star. The, the solar panel technology would have to advance quite a bit in order to be able to harvest enough solar power to be able to propel a spacecraft from one star system to another star system and bounce from star system to star system, re-establishing uh, your solar fuel capacity. Well, I mean, that may seem like a problem, but in essence, with space travel, the most important part is getting yourself moving in the first place. Once you're moving you're going to continue moving you know it's just like uh newton's law was it his third law whenever an object is in motion it'll stay in motion until until an outside force acts upon it like we have solid rocket fuel right that's like our main source for getting ourselves off of earth into orbit right that's what got us to the moon but i know for a fact that we are as well as other countries are developing i don't want to say it's a rocket engine i don't know if that's the correct term for it but um, china i saw was working on uh, an electric quote-unquote engine of some sort that will provide propulsion in space and i know that nasa uh, has been working on, I forget what they called it, but it uses, it basically doesn't really even need fuel. It, it ionizes, uh, oh, what is it? I have to look it up now, but it basically is able to provide thrust without using anything. Um, hmm. 
which is pretty wicked. It doesn't make any sense, but it works. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that when you're in a vacuum of space, if you're able to create that initial propulsion, you could pretty much drift on forever. If you're going to try to continuously gain momentum until you're at light speed, that's going to take an insane amount of fuel. But I mean, it comes down to engines and generators, right? A generator is a mechanical input with an electrical output and a motor is a mechanical input with an electrical output. No, I said that backward. (laughs) A generator is a mechanical input with an electrical output and a motor is an electrical input with a mechanical output. Either way, whatever you're trying to get, whether it be an electrical output or a mechanical output, because you also got to think of all the electrical systems that are going to be needed inside of this craft while it's moving. It's not going to, I guess, all be used for propulsion, but they are going to need to have some sort of fuel to propel the electrical system as well to be able to live and do the, the necessities of human life. Mm-hmm. That could be uh, that could be solar powered. The technology revolving around like batteries has advanced very, very quickly. We went from, you know, something being able to have a charge for a couple of hours, you know, some something small that's basically not using any energy whatsoever to now we have like Tesla cars, which you can drive 300 miles on a single charge, right? And the battery mm-hmm. is gotten really small, like compared to like what they used to be. We condense batteries into a smaller size, but pack up a larger charge, right? So who's to say, Whenever this becomes a necessity for us to leave Earth, that technology has advanced even further to the point where that may not even really be an issue. Or what if we develop a way to like and you see in all sci-fi movies is like put ourselves in like cryo sleep or something like that. You know, there isn't much energy needed to sustain us. We just go to sleep and we get there when we get there, you know, <laughs> and then we wake up. The possibilities are nearly endless, you know, in the ways that we can solve these problems. It's just a matter of taking the time to figure it out, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess my biggest concern is that I hope for human's sake that there is no ceiling to the technology because, I mean, you're right. We we do make really large jumps in technological capabilities. The battery, I know we've made jumps, but there's there's so many materials that you can use as an anode or a cathode or an electrolyte to be able to create an electrical source. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would probably have to say that we're probably tried the combination of everything that we possibly could up until this point. Not yet. I I was reading uh, not too long ago that they figured out most batteries like lithium ion, right? That's like the newest, Mm -hmm. latest and greatest, right? It used to be like lead acid, now we're on lithium ion batteries, right? So you need lithium, which is a, a metal, right? It's yep. one of the elements on the periodic table. You need that to make these batteries. But we've recently found out that we can use uh, carbon-based materials inside a battery to be able to store much more energy and for the battery itself to have a longer life because the battery's life cycle, it's depleting itself, then charging itself depleting itself, charging itself. And that basically is wearing the battery down and eventually it's not going to be any good. But uh, these new batteries or these new materials that they're, they figured out that they can use uh, is like changing the game, right? It's just, you you would think that we would have uh, exhausted all options, but there's always someone out there that's like, what if we do this? And then 
holy mm-hmm. cow you know <laughs> got something brand new i mean like i said I'm, I'm mostly worried that there is a ceiling to this technology oh there definitely is for sure you know just like when people used to watch star trek and they're like there's no way a cell phone number is ever going to exist Mm-hmm. or all the technology that used to be in the old star trek shows mm-hmm. it's the same thing with me right now man i see that we do have a lot of advancements we do do some pretty incredible stuff but i don't know about creating the technology to be able to travel at light speed and not kill ourselves and be able to generate the enough power to do so it is a, a very costly expedition i guess you can say um it might be but we don't know that's far off in the future i'm sure I think other areas of, you know, science and whatnot are going to end up assisting the areas of science like related to this to speed up the process of advancing ourselves. It's like building on top of each other and it's it's all helping us move forward. I think it's a cool concept. Oh, yeah, I really do. And I would love to be like, yeah, we're totally gonna be able to do this. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we're ever going to get off this rock, man. That's just my opinion. I think that it's going to end up being a small group of us that get off this rock. I don't think all of us are. It would have to be. Uh, but I do believe that a large enough chunk of the human population will get off the rock to ensure the survival of our race. What was that movie where they sent multiple crews to multiple different planets? Interstellar. Was It It was Interstellar, right? And then there was that one that was water? Yep. It had a giant wave. Yep. And they basically said, well... One of them's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that movie was really onto something there. You know, if we ever do have the technology, we're never going to really know exactly what is perfect for us out there. I mean, we can look at it and we can tell you what the app or what we believe the atmosphere is just by the color of the twinkle. We can say, oh, this one has at least a gigantic moon because the moon eclipses the planet. Mm-hmm. We have been able to see exoplanets for quite a while, and we can tell that some of them have moons. We can tell basically how long uh, a day is there or a year, I'm sorry, at least. And by the hue of the planet, we're able to tell what kind of chemicals the atmosphere is made up of. Mm-hmm. But with all due reality is that we won't know for sure whether or not that planet is 100% suitable for us without us actually going there. And if we put all of our eggs in one basket, and we go to one planet, one planet only, the likeliness of us failing is much higher. I just wouldn't want to be on that crew that spent all that time traveling to a planet and being the one that's wrong. But that's a chance we're going to have to take at that point. Absolutely. We've gotten pretty good at figuring this stuff out. So I do believe that when it, when time comes down to it, we're going to have, if not multiple, we're going to have at least one viable candidate, right? Of course, beggars can't be choosers. And I'm sure it's not going to be exact replica of earth in any way or shape or form. So it's going to be hard for us, but it's something that we have to do and we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. Cool. Well, I think this is a great segue into the last thing we need to talk about when it comes to humans getting off this planet. Mm-hmm. And that is, what are we looking for in another planet? One, it's definitely going to have to be in the Goldilocks zone of whatever star it's orbiting, right? We can't live on a, a frozen uh, rock, you know, <laughs> that is just, you know, negative 200, 300 degrees in the middle of the day. There's no way we would be able to survive that. And obviously it can't be opposite of that where it's the equivalent of being on mercury or something you know if we we already know of multiple worlds within their stars goldilocks zone where there is a very good chance that there's liquid water on them so that's the key 
hopefully whenever we have to leave earth, we're able to find one. And hopefully that's what we find. I, I don't know how we would be able to survive without having water, to be honest. I think we can make do with everything else as long as we can find a planet with water. Right on. I think definitely we're not going to be able to do anything without water for sure. So as I was doing the research for this topic and kind of brushing up on all of this uh, old astronomy stuff I used to store in my brain, came across this really cool video on YouTube about the Discovery Channel. And they were talking about habitable planets. And they broke down a couple of different categories of wants and needs. Mm -hmm. We've touched on a couple of the needs so far. And basically... One of them is the distance that the planet orbits around its sun or its star. The Goldilocks zone, where it's not too hot and not too cold, but that porridge is just right. Attempts to sustain liquid water, because believe it or not, the difference between boiling water and frozen water is not too much. Here in the U.S., we go by the imperial system. It's basically the difference of 68 degrees. It's not much. 32 degrees, it starts to freeze, and 100 degrees, it starts to boil. That's not a lot of leeway. That is one of the most important things. Second thing is we want something that's Earth-sized. We talked about this a little bit, too. Mars is half the size, and because of that, the gravity is weaker, meaning that you're going to weigh less. You're going to have issues to your spinal cord, your bones, your muscle structure, your heartbeat. You also got to worry about the atmosphere, like you had mm -hmm. alluded to earlier, that if it has less gravity, it's going to have less atmosphere. Now, is atmosphere technically a need? No, it's actually more of a want than a need because we could technically go to a planet or a moon. We've got to remember, we're not just looking at planets here. We can also do moons. If we go to one with a lesser atmosphere than ours, mm -hmm. there's things that we can do to still survive. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's going to affect the Goldilocks zone is the strength of the star, not necessarily just the size. Different stars have different densities, which is going to affect the strength. So just because we're what we call an AU, an astronomical unit, away from the sun, doesn't necessarily mean that an astronomical unit is going to be enough for us or too much for us mm -hmm. in another system. We have to really do some research into that star itself. You know, we also have to pay attention to how far into that star's life are we actually getting there to. It gets really important when you take into effect a light year. Again, when we're looking at these stars that are hundreds of light years or thousands of light years away from us, we're not looking at them in their current form. Now, I know a hundred or a thousand years isn't much in the life of a star, but it is something. Yeah, because we don't want to end up in the same situation well, we'll be in the future here on Earth where the sun is about to change from a yellow dwarf to a red giant, you know? Or what if we find a planet that's in the Goldilocks zone or moon and the star that it's orbiting has gone supernova, but we just haven't seen it yet. We just wasted all that time and resource for nothing. Mm-hmm. But we're very, uh, we're very good at figuring this stuff out. It's so fascinating seeing how much we've advanced in our knowledge of the universe as we know it, what we can see right now. You know, I would say that right now, you know, the technology we have to look out into the stars is nothing compared to what we're going to have in the future. And we can already see a lot where we're at now. So I'm very optimistic because uh, especially when it comes to like humans, no matter who we are, we have an innate desire to live and we'll figure out a way if we're put in a, in a situation where the other option is death. We'll, we'll figure it out. Well, let's hope so, right? Yep. Uh, another thing that we have to pay attention to when we're looking at a star 
mm-hmm. is the activity of the star itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this something that has a lot of solar flares? How aggressive are these solar flares? How is the radiation coming off this particular star? Because radiation and solar flares are also going to affect that Goldilocks zone. Mm-hmm. And they can also completely take away a Goldilocks zone. And that's something that's super important. If you're on a star that is extremely aggressive with solar flares mm-hmm. and is spurting them out a couple astronomical units at a time in all different directions, mm-hmm. that's probably not a star you want to go live next to. You get there and that planet that you saw was perfectly green and showed all the signs of having a great atmosphere for us. And we get there and it's burnt to a crisp. So these are all things that we have to think about. Mm-hmm. Do you mean the take away the Goldilocks zone as in like take away the atmosphere or what do you mean by that? Now, I know our star does have solar flares, right? Mm -hmm. But they do believe that our star is a pretty mild star when it comes to its aggressiveness and its activity. Mm -hmm. We do have solar flares. It does give off extreme bursts of radiation. We do have solar storms. But like I said, they believe that our star is very mild. Now, if you go to a star that is extremely aggressive Mm -hmm. and you're having far more radiation coming off of this star because of how dense the mass is of it, what it's currently burning at the time that you said, uh, once it's done with its nuclear phase, it goes into burning helium, you know, depending on what kind of star it is too. If we find a star just like ours, put it this way, Mercury and Venus are closer to our star than us. I know that they don't have any real atmosphere. Actually, I think I want to take that back. I think Venus has an atmosphere, but Mm. it's so poisonous that we would never be able to even think of visiting. It's constantly getting fried. It doesn't have anything to honestly save it. That magnetic field that you were talking about, I want to say that those two planets, and I could be completely wrong about this because the information in this stuff has changed since I was taking classes in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to say that the magnetic field in those two planets are extremely weak or uh, from what we can detect. And it's due to the, the constant bombardment of solar flares and radiation. I would say that's accurate. But also those two planets aren't in the Goldilocks zone. That's part of what makes the Goldilocks zone. It's like not too hot, not too cold. Just good enough for these elements that are necessary for life to have a chance. But what I'm saying is that if we had a more aggressive star, mm-hmm. would we still technically be in a Goldilocks zone? So when it comes to like solar flares and stuff like that, the magnetic field around Earth, let's just take that for example. That's what protects us mm-hmm. from, right. from all these things. Let's say we took a head-on shot from a solar flare, a really good one. You know, one of those that reaches all the way out to the asteroid belt that, we, that we've heard about. That, that's, a real, that's a real danger here. Um, so oh, I know. it's possible that that'll be a danger there as well. I know, but I'm just saying because of how mild it is here. Yeah. You know, you go to something where it's just more common. That Goldilocks zone isn't looking so goldy anymore. Well, I think that'll affect the Goldilocks zone. And if a star is that volatile, then we probably wouldn't even take that into consideration. I'm not really too worried about that. I imagine that's something someone somewhere has already thought about. <laughs> I would hope so. Or we'll think about, you know, if you've thought about it, there's a good chance that someone else has already thought about it. You know, I was just going to say, man, it's not taken away from you or anything, but <laughs> no, it is. you should. There's definitely people that are probably getting paid well <laughs> over six figures to think of stuff like this, right? <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. I would because I don't get paid anything to do it. <laughs> nor do I have the education <laughs> to actually speak on any of this. Mm-hmm. I just want everybody to know that if you're listening to the infant rabbit hole right now, I am not, 
I am not a scientist in what's any shape or form. <laughs> I just like talking about this stuff and I find oh, yeah. it interesting. I you love know? it. So, <laughs> and for the sake of argument, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Oh, I, <laughs> oh yeah. You're doing it well. Moving on. So we talked about that. Yep. We would need an energy source. And obviously, if the atmosphere is thin enough, we can use the sun as an energy source. So an energy source is something that, you know, it is a need. We do need energy. And if the atmosphere is too thick, hopefully there's an energy source on the planet's surface, like wind or moving water would work. So you know what causes wind on our, our own planet, right? Isn't it the moon? No, that's what controls the tide. It's a butterfly, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's basically, it's our atmosphere expanding and contracting. Mm. That's like the main force that's generating wind. Air between the earth and the atmosphere is getting compressed and, and whatnot. And that's what's pushing it, moving it around. When I first joined the Navy, I tried so hard to be an AG. <laughs> and those damn recruiters, man, they told me, they're like, hey, just take this AV job. You know, be an aviation electrician or an aviation or avionics tech. I'm like, sure. And they're like, in two years, just rewrite <laughs> to be an AG and boom, you're a meteorologist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sweet. Two years after getting the packs, man, I got laughed at. So moving on to another form of energy, right? So there's the energy that we would need to be able to sustain our lifestyle and other, other comforts. But what about the energy we need, such as being a consumer of oxygen? Mm -hmm. So we would need producers of energy, such as plants. That would be something that we would need. I mean, we can technically grow our own plants if the soil is rich with nitrogen. But if there's nothing to build off of, mm -hmm. just like in the movie The Martian, it can happen. And I'm not saying that The Martian is 100% fact, but it's the same concept. We would have to be able to grow plants in order to create oxygen. And then we get into terraforming. Mm -hmm. We would have to be able to terraform in the case that it doesn't have plant life. I'm not saying that plant life in the universe is exactly the same everywhere or in the galaxy mm -hmm. is exactly the same everywhere. And, it, and I'm not saying that they take carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide and whatever it is through their processes, exhale oxygen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we would need that. We would need something, some sort of oxygen producer to create a concoction of other gases to be able to create air that we need to breathe. Mm -hmm. So there's another thing, you know, energy is extremely important and it doesn't always come in the form of electricity. And then of course, for us, we would need some sort of carbon. Carbon would be extremely important to us. And I'm not talking about carbon dioxide. You know, we don't need that kind of stuff, but we are carbon-based life forms. And in order for a carbon-based life form to succeed, you would think that the atmosphere or something in that planet would need to also be carbon-based. Mm -hmm. That pretty much wraps it up for the needs. The two wants that this video went over was atmosphere. You know, atmosphere makes it a lot easier for us. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have to be living in a bubble at all times. Yep. We would be able to actually live outdoors, which is a comfort thing. Mm -hmm. Helps with the solar flares, helps with creating that magnetic field. Helps with temperature regulation, nitrogen levels for plants. Mm -hmm. And then one other thing that's a strong want is light. We want to make sure that the atmosphere isn't too thick to, so that we can get light down to the surface of the planet. Get that vitamin D. It's important. I mean, it's got a lot of biological benefits, yep. plant growth and comfort for us. Absolutely. And that is pretty much my entire argument for this whole thing. <laughs> sure, that's it. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's all I that's all I wrote down, at least. <laughs>
we've definitely talked about many problems that we're going to have to solve and figure out, if not a solution, at least a substitute. Like we've talked about, we got billions of years <laughs> to figure that stuff out. In the grand scheme of things, we've been here for an extremely short amount of time compared to the rest of the universe. And we've already come pretty far in that short amount of time. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to go a lot further. But a lot of that depends on us as a human race, because it's definitely going to involve us having to come together, work together to figure that stuff out to ensure uh, the survival of our race. Yeah, that's pretty much it, everybody. Wes, you got anything else to kind of throw on there? No. If you have any other things space related that you want us to talk about and discuss pros and cons or whatever, uh, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple things that I think that this episode is going to do for us. I've really enjoyed this because this was a good notch to my past mm -hmm. because this was something that I really did feel strongly about when I was in my teens and my early 20s. Thanks to my Uncle Joe and Aunt Teresa because they're the ones that really pushed me towards astronomy and really gave me a passion for those years of my life. I personally would love to make this like a seasonal thing. So every season, I would love to touch on some sort of space topic. And Wes, I know I haven't talked to you or Jake yet about it, but I think I want to call this infinite rabbit hole in space. <laughs> part one. Yeah. First of many parts. Yeah. We'll just talk about a space topic every season. Season two, whenever that will be, we'll have a infinite rabbit hole in space part two. And we'll bring up another space topic that we can just go on forever about. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's nice because the title kind of you know, gives you that 70s, 80s nostalgia <laughs> when it's like infinite rabbit hole in space. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we, need a, we need a theme song to go along with that now. Right? We should. We should. It should be a biannual event. Mm -hmm. We're talking about two seasons a year, and we'll talk about space twice a year. I mean, we could talk about it more than twice a year, and I'd be happy with that. <laughs> or if there's, say, there's uh, some type of uh, big, I don't know, discovery or something like that, maybe we could talk about it maybe just a little bit, you know, anything like that happens. Absolutely. I want to try something here. We've been trying to do this push for our social media accounts, and I'm really curious about how many people actually listen to the end of these episodes. So I'm going to go out there and put a challenge out for everybody. If you have a Facebook Go on to facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. Go to our page. And on the 5th of November of 2020. So no matter what year you're looking, you're listening to this 5th of November in 2020, I'm going to post a simple emoji of a planet. I want you to go onto that post and comment the words bunny ears to see if you made it all the way to the end. I'm curious. I'm curious. I, I, I'm i very curious. Uh, the podcast is growing quite a bit, and I want to see how many people are actually getting to the end. If you don't do it, eh, that's fine. But if you do, I think that'd be pretty cool. I'd like to see, you know, 50 or 60 bunny ears pop up in the next week. I think that'd be really cool. We might do it on other platforms, too. So feel free to look on our Twitter and our new Instagram account and see if we post something similar. We don't quite know yet, but it will be there on Facebook for sure. All right. Other than that, that's it. That's all I got, Wes. Awesome. That was fun. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we got two parts there? You know, part one and part two? Uh, maybe. How long? That's have a we lot been? of recording. How long have we been recording for right now? Well, 
Yeah, I don't know. At least probably made five minutes, I'd say. I'd say at least, and we've recorded for an hour and a half yesterday, although 40 of it was probably the front end where we were just bullshitting and the back end where we were trying to figure out our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. Awesome. Wes, I'd, I'd like to say thank you for coming on with me today. Also say thank you to becoming a permanent fixture on Infinite Rabbit Hole. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I really look forward to working with you from here on out. And Wes is working on a lot of our graphic stuff right now. So get ready because Wes is about to dump a whole bunch of cool stuff on you guys. Hell yeah. Hope you guys like it. Until next time, this has been Infinite Rabbit Hole. And again, if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole or our new Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash infinite RH. You can also reach us by email at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. Keep in mind that we are looking for people to tell us their stories about anything strange that they have witnessed, whether it be a ghost or a cryptid or UFO alien or missing time or out-of-body experiences. We want to hear from you. So please reach out to us. We haven't had a lot of people reach out. We're hoping that we can get the ball rolling with that. Other than that, see you next time. See ya. That'll be it for the first installment of Infinite Rabbit Hole in Space. Stay tuned after the outro music. For some bonus audio from Wes and I's first episode together, episode six, Parallel Worlds and the Multiverse. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to comment on this episode, you can do so on facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. If you have a story to share with us or would like to be interviewed, you can contact us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. Thank you again and have a great day. like i should make a drink for this (laughs) go ahead man you got time let me uh do that real quick how you been i've been good how about yourself man pretty good pretty good it's pretty exciting yeah this is our first time doing something like this kind of nervous that's my first time doing an episode without my co-host uh this is definitely a new experience well, no worries. I mean, we work together, so you know that I'm easy to get along with and talk to. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. No, I have no worries about it being you, man. That's just, I don't know. The flow of the conversation. Yeah. I've practiced a lot with this other guy, man, and it just, we cut, we work really well together. But, it, you know, yeah. it's, the flow of the conversation is not really a big deal because I edit the shit out of this. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure it helps, you know, less editing in the end as well. And uh, if uh, you and your other co-hosts are able to bounce back and forth off off each other pretty naturally, translates well. Well, that's why I chose him to do this project with. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yeah, man. P- podcasts are fucking pretty cool. Did you check out that last podcast on the left? I did. I did check out a couple of them. They got a lot of episodes. They've been around for a while. 
And uh, I just recently like went back to their very beginning and start listening to their stuff. Yeah. Cause I, my wife found them first and uh, she told me, she's like, you should check these guys out. You'd really like them. And uh, I was like, uh, we'll see. I, I finally checked them out and I was like, damn, that's a, uh, it's pretty badass. Like they, they really go in depth with their stuff. Yeah. I listened to a couple of them. Unfortunately, listen to other podcasts right now it's tough if it's not on the subject that i'm researching that week mm, yeah speaking of this subject is wild <laughs> yeah i mean I, i've always been into weird shit like this and uh i mean this is like right up my alley i, I love this stuff we just use audacity oh that's right you said audacity. we do everything through audacity it's free as the podcast gets bigger and, you know, if we end up making some money from it, I mean, right now we made a whopping total of about $2 and 50 cents. If we ever end up making some money, it's all going into the podcast. We've already talked about it. We got plans of doing like documentaries and stuff too, somewhere down the road. Hell yeah. Maybe branching out into YouTube, but you know what? This whole podcast thing is doing a lot better than I thought I was going to do at about, 17 days we hit 100 listens and that was with two or three episodes mm. and we're just shy of our one month anniversary and we're gonna hit 300 today hell yeah i mean it's picking up the last episode have you gotten listen to any of them yet Mm-mm. i was just finishing up today actually uh that other podcast i listened to they were doing a series it was like a four episode series on the oklahoma city bombing Ooh, nice yeah, and so I was listening to that, and I just finished that up today. I've been meaning to. I just It just depends on my mood, what I'm doing, and then I had already started that series, so I was trying to finish it. You guys are on uh, Spotify? Yeah, we're everywhere. All right. We did Go one ahead. called Sinister Shadows with a guy. He suffers from sleep paralysis, and <sighs> it happens to him three or four times a week. He has regular run-ins with this shadow almost weekly this crazy thing that fucks with him. It's like, no, look, it's real. I'm like, dude, don't worry. I'll have you on. You can tell your story. I don't care if it's real or not. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) That episode came out last Friday and it's already our most popular episode. It's got 74 views compared to our very first episode with 73. And it's only been out a week. Yeah, man. Like I said, you got to start somewhere. And uh, I think people really dig this like type of content, you know, where they're talking about the strange and unexplained and whatnot, you know, yeah. uh, everyone has a fascination with stuff like that in one way or another. Well, it's a good break too, from all the shit that's going on right now. Absolutely. I was in a podcast group on Facebook like two weeks ago and somebody, I posted a, a link to the podcast. We review each other and kind of mm-hmm. be critical of each other a little bit. And one guy was like, dude, another ghost podcast or something stupid paranormal podcast and i was like okay so i went over to check out his podcast and i was like oh you're another political podcast got it i mean political podcasts are a dime a dozen right now i don't i always believe everything i i read on reddit but right no i i was a joke man yeah but uh i mean if you say something wrong on reddit people are gonna call you out on that (laughs) super quick Man, so I went to a Reddit page where you go to <laughs> advertise your podcast. And it was my like one of my first posts on Reddit. I never delved mm. into Reddit 
until this podcast. And I posted my, my link up and somebody listened to the podcast and I had misquoted or missaid something, something small. I can't even remember what it was because it was like a month ago. But man, did they let me fucking have it. Holy yeah. shit. I was like negative 17 in like 45 minutes. Uh, man, Reddit is... It's like the, a mix of the best and worst people on the internet. And <laughs> for as many good people as there is on there, you have good intentions and whatnot. There's just as many who are just straight, you know, assholes. <laughs> There's no, be- no better way to put it. I probably found like eight different places to post my podcast. And mm-hmm. the best one I did, I was like plus 23. Some people actually really liked it. But that one string, I'll never go back to that one again. Oh, Man, I've I've been roasted on Reddit a few times, and I think the worst thing about Reddit is people tend to like turn, or at least recently, is they turn turn everything into something that's politically charged, yeah, or whatever. Look at it. I mean, so like I see uh, bright stars all the time, mm-hmm. or not stars, but what I think are stars. And it turns out there it's a planet. I have this app that I use and I've first got it when I was at BX one. Cause I got into an argument with a, I don't know if you remember. Oh yeah. Uh, got an argument with him. I was like, we were out working late one night and we're looking up at the sky and we're like, man, that's a bright star. And I'm like, I don't think that's a star. And, he's, and they're like, what else would it be? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a planet. And they're like, man, planets don't uh, give off light. I'm like, I'm not saying it gives off light. I'm saying it's reflecting light, you know? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I got this app. It's called Sky Guide. And you can literally point it because it uses the accelerometer in your phone and mm-hmm. it, it knows where you're looking. And And I pointed at it and it was it was either Venus or it might have been like Jupiter or Mars, but that's what it was. It was a planet, you know? If it was Venus, it would have been in the extreme early morning because anything closer to the sun only shows up close to the horizon in the morning time. You won't see it at night. So it might have been Mars. I think it was Mars because Mars has like an orangish tint to it. Yeah. I don't know if, you, if you're if you aware of this, but any planets will follow the same path as the moon. And so will the horoscopes, the astrology horoscopes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll all follow the same path. Yeah, because of the way we're moving mm-hmm. through the universe and as well as the rotation of the Earth and all that other crap. Uh, <laughs> but... uh. The cool thing about that app, those, you know, it shows you where they're at, tells you what they are. You can zoom in on them and like see what else is around them. Cause like, you know, with a zoomed out view, it shows like its relation to the horizon and it shows like, uh, has like a dotted line showing path of the sun, you know, where it's going to end up. Like, it's pretty cool. I would highly recommend you checking it out. But that would go back to like your question about uh, when you were asking about aliens and ghosts and stuff like that. I didn't really, I do believe in ghosts because I've had some like spooky experiences myself. Yeah. I like to believe that there's something out there, maybe an afterlife or whatever, but I think maybe that partially ties into like reincarnation. I think maybe it has something to do with that, that maybe when people see ghosts and whatnot, that's someone's form, like while they're waiting be born again or something like that you know i think that's totally possible because there's been plenty of cases where people have these memories of a past life and know things that they shouldn't you know i've read Mm -hmm. plenty of stories and stuff about that (laughs) 
<laughs> I told you, man. I can. I, I'm. All, this is like right up my alley. Man, if I knew you stuff. were into this shit back in packs, I we would. I would have started this a long time ago, <laughs> dude. I'm surprised I, uh, you didn't, because I mean, over at least on the mech and airframe side of the shop, we were always talking about stuff like this. Man, it was boring as shit over there in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, yeah. My the my best friend I got from that command is uh, remember Owens Amy. Mm-hmm. He he's a really good buddy of mine, but he's he's such a a straight shooter man. He's like, I've been in the woods hundreds thousands of times hunting deer, and I've never seen a bigfoot. So, what'd you think, man? It was it was fun, man. I enjoyed it. Definitely expanded into some stuff that I wasn't like previously fully aware of. Like I said, I, I dabble in a lot of this stuff, and I don't necessarily get into every crack and crevice of uh, all this stuff. So it was cool to hear some new stuff that I'd never never heard about. And you did a really good job explaining it. The whole, you know, all the different dimensions and what they are and whatnot. Well, that's that's kind of what I hope to do with this project. Mm-hmm. Is I I want to talk about the stuff that's kind of in far left field, but I also want to talk about the concepts of it being true. And I, I want to jog people's minds a little bit and get them into it because everyone just lives on a straight line. I, I like to add a couple curves to it if I could. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone is a little bit closed minded about stuff, you know, and I think that's not like the best outlook to have on, on things because everything is constantly changing and evolving and we're always learning 